0: Welcome to Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. We're glad you've joined us. Hey, well, good evening. Thank you for being here with us. Tonight I want to talk to you about this big idea. Our praying posture allows us to know God better. Our praying posture allows us to know God better. Ephesians 1, chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. The Apostle Paul says this, For this reason... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love of all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in our prayers. I keep asking, this is Paul, he says, I keep asking that God of uh, the God of our Father Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. When we quickly look at this prayer here in Ephesians and we compare it to Philippians prayer where Paul talks to the church of Philippi and Colossians and later again in Ephesians chapter three we see that Paul is consumed and it's his custom to pray for this group those that he loved and when he looked at them we, we when we look at this scripture in Ephesians we see this unique insight into his prayer life he says this in verse in verse 17 I keep asking that you may know him better. Turn to your neighbor, turn to someone around you and say, Know him better. It's remarkable, it's remarkable that in all of Paul's prayers, not once does he pray for his friends and he asks them, and he prays and he asks that they be delivered from their circumstance. In fact, Paul never says, deliver that individual, get them out of that situation. In fact, they face many different uh, uh, situations. They face persecution, hardship. When you look at Timothy, the, the guys he mentored, there was dangers, there were oppressions. The list goes on and on, yet Paul doesn't pray the goods that you and I might pray. If some bad situation happened to us, you say, God, deliver us out of that bad situation. Paul actually doesn't pray that. That's not the the main theme. Now, does that mean it's wrong if you and I pray, God, get us out of this situation. God, I need help. No, absolutely not because Jesus in, in this Lord's prayer that is noted, he says this, give us our daily bread, give us our needs. He says, deliver us from the evil one. But this is the universal prayer that Jesus leaves his followers. And even Paul in 1 Timothy chapter two, He says this he he prays for peace in the world he prays for good government in the world he prays for the needs of the world however paul isn't giving us a universal model for prayer in the same way jesus did here he reveals what he asked most frequently for his friends that they would know god better paul sees the fuller knowledge of god as the most critical thing to receive over changed circumstances. The greatest thing you and I can have in our life is to know God better. An enlightened heart, he says in verse 18. So Paul's main concern then is for their public and private prayer life. In fact, the two greatest spiritual disciplines that you and I can have is studying God's word, and then also living in communion and in fellowship with him through prayer. Everything else is almost on the next tier down. Not saying they're not important, but that's what Paul is addressing here to the church of Ephesus. So in Matthew 21, we're going to look at a story where Jesus makes the statement about his house, he calls it a house of prayer. Tonight we'll be looking at the story where Jesus is cleansing the temple and how that is very similar to the way we need to prepare ourselves for this act of prayer and the posture of prayer. But before we go any further, let's pray tonight for the reading of God's word and that God be with us and reveals different insights tonight. Lord, right now we pray. We worship you, we lift you up, that tonight we learn, we glean, that we apply your scriptures to our hearts. And may we grow in our faith journey with you. In your great and holy name we all say, amen. So a praying posture, one, focuses. A praying posture requires focus. Matthew 21, verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple, and he drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. He overturned the tables and the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Now, it's unique. You're like, Pastor Blake, how does this actually relate to our prayer life? Well, when we look at the word temple, it's actually listed about 270 times in the bible in the esv translation over 600 times in the new international version in our bible the priest eli talks about it as a physical place jesus is known his human body is known as the temple we see this in john chapter 2 believers are called the temple of god in 1 corinthians by the apostle paul The church is designated as the holy temple of the Lord. Heaven is even regarded as the temple in Revelation chapter 7. So when it comes to the temple, when it comes to the praying posture we have, Jesus is highlighting his temple, his house of prayer. One needs to have an internal focus before an external emphasis. You ever wonder why sometimes your prayers aren't answered? We pray, God, get me out of this situation. God, I need this this relationship restored. When God at times is like, I just want to know you better. Let's have a heart conversation. Temple means sacred place. When Jesus enters our lives, it becomes a sacred place. You'll hear me say this term time and time as days move forward. You have to take care of your own heart before you can take care of someone else's heart. You have to understand that it begins inward before it can begin and happen outward. That's what Jesus is saying in the first place. He comes into this triumphal entry. He shows up at the temple, his house, and he refers to it as a house of prayer. Flannery O'Connor, an American novelist and short story writer, super gifted, talented woman, she had this longing to have a deeper prayer life. She writes this, Dear God, I cannot love thee the way I want to love thee. You are a slim crescent of a moon that I see, and myself is the earth's shadow that keeps me from seeing all of the moon. What am I afraid of, dear God? Is it the self-shadow that will grow? What am I afraid of is that my self-shadow will grow so large that it blocks the whole moon. And I will judge myself by the shadow that is nothing. I do not know you, God, because I am in the way. It's this internal understanding. See, Jesus, his most prolific statement, I would argue about his house, the detail about his house is in verse 13. He said, my verse then, it is written, or he said it is written, my house should be called a house of prayer." but you make it a den of robbers. So it's this internal focus that we have to lean into. A, a praying posture requires an inside view. See, it's like this. When, whenever we try to pray and we're not ready, it's like the track star running, but starting straight up. It's, they can run fast, but it might take them a while to get going. They might be there and they, the gun goes off and everybody else darts, but they're a little slow. They're a little delayed. It might be efficient, but not as efficient. They might be fast. They might qualify. They might place, but maybe they could have won. In our prayer life, it's this posture of coming in and saying, God, I'm going to focus on you. God, I'm going to focus everything I have. Make it a hard issue. Make me better. See, when it comes to focus, it starts inside, and then focus also pushes us past our distractions. There's a lot of priorities in life. If you have kids, if you have a spouse, if you have family, and all those priorities are great. In fact, we see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this story is a priority for the writer's. What's interesting when it comes to Mark chapter 11, we get a little insight here in this same account. And it says, and he entered the city of Jerusalem and he went to the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. So in Matthew's account, we read it and it sounds like it's all one day. Well, when Jesus shows up in Mark's account, He has this triumphal entry, everybody's screaming, it's Jesus, the Messiah, he's coming to town. In Mark's account, he shows up to the temple on the day he enters. He looks around at what's happening in the temple, and then he leaves the temple, and he retreats to Bethany. And then it's the next day he comes in, and he starts to address some very serious things. See, so Jesus had to evaluate. He had to take time, what was happening in the house. He had to draw a pinpoint focus. He had to get past the distractions. In Mark eleven seventeen, 17, he goes, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, for foreigners, for people who are broken, for people who are lame, for people who don't really know who God is and what God is all about. It's for people who've been ostracized, cast out of society. It's for people who are close and understand. It's for religious. It's for uh, people who are uh, not considered of social economic class and standing. His house is for all people. See, just as fulfilling what Isaiah 56, 7 says, he says this, These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house should be called a prayer for all peoples. A praying posture requires focus and inward focus first. And then it's a push past our distractions. A praying posture, also number two for us tonight, is this. It expects. A praying posture expects. Anytime we move into a a moment of prayer, it can be very challenging and it's almost like when we enter into the field with defeat in our in our mind if we're not praying that god i'm expecting you to deliver or god i'm expecting you to show up in my life to help me out then why are we praying it's a half-hearted it's a defeat. See, I love the insight we get when it comes to this house of prayer in Matthew chapter 21, verse 14. It says, and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. Miracles happened. See, the level of our prayer life is the lid we place on God. Prayer is the supernatural force that can change the world for all people. See, Jesus is setting the, temp, the, the new template for prayer. In fact, we see where David, he, he's trying to build the temple and he actually says, if you have any imperfections for the priests, they couldn't come towards the temple. They couldn't enter in the temple. They couldn't touch the temple. In fact, in Leviticus, we see a whole uh, a list kind of written out on what that means. But Jesus comes and he says, no matter what you have going on in your life, I'm going to give us a new template for prayer. It is for people who are down and out. It is for people who are lost. It is for people who are concerned. It is for people that need a hope. It's interesting when we look at the depths of those who are broken, the the blind, the lame, the outcast of society in Matthew 21. They're the ones that are healed. See a lot of times in the depths of our life, in the moments of our life, the dark shadows of our life, when we're desperate all we can do is expect God to show up in our life. All we can do is expect God to actually make it happen because we have nowhere else to go. There's a beauty in that when we see that. I love what Pastor Jack Owen once said. He says, you can tell a great deal about a person's relationship with God by listening to him or her pray. That kind of struck a chord with me personally because I'm like, oh man, like I start evaluating my prayer life. Do I pray effectively? Like what makes it a good prayer? No, what he's saying is whenever you pray out loud, whenever you are praying or around, are you believing, are you expecting, are you praying with an earnest, an eagerness, a boldness that the God we serve, when Jesus leans in and he says, this is how you should pray the universal prayer, hallowed be your name. We see that it's this, we are serving a majestic God. His level of thinking, we can't even comprehend Matthew 21, and the blind and the lame. But there's something beautiful about when they're in their depths and they're in their lowest moments, they call on Jesus and they're healed. When we pray, are we expecting God to show up and show out in our life? Some of the biggest hangups that we have is we're expecting God to deliver us, but are we praying like he's gonna deliver us? Part of knowing him more is leaning into this relationship and this time of communion with prayer. One of my favorite stories found in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 10, we see this leader by the name of Joshua. He's conquering these five kings. He's chasing them down and he prays this audacious prayer. He says, God, I need more time. Sun stands still. Even historians say there's some supernatural event that's occurred then. God grants him that power. God grants him that request, that miracle, and it's occurred. It's because he prayed when, with an expe- expectation, an expectant prayer. See, Joshua is full of the expectation that God would deliver when God would, and he did. A praying posture also celebrates Matthew 21, verses. 15 says this but when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple hosanna the son of david they were indignant see jesus was doing something right and when the critics came out he kept Doing it. He they kept celebrating. I love this line, you know, when when in a church, if if babies are crying, the church ain't dying. Because that means, like, hey, our church is reaching the next generation, the people coming forth. The, the, the kids are making noise. Where Jesus was at, noise followed. Where the church is at in the community, noise should follow. It's not a church follows culture. It's culture shapes or it's the church shapes the culture. That's why we're passionate here at Faith Assembly. When we start talking about, hey, we have teachers, there's leaders, there's influencers here. Let's pray for them because we believe our God can do some amazing things in their lives. Let's make a noise through the power of prayer. It's a celebration of what's happening. People are being healed people are celebrating it's this posture that we need to say hey before i pray am i focused am i leaning in past the distractions am i expecting god to do something more than i can even imagine and then am i going to celebrate that like it's it can be demoralizing and i would argue even again it's we pray god i'm i'm praying this prayer but yet, we don't want to celebrate when he pulls through for us. Does anybody know it's what I grew up call a, a praise report? Where we shout that down. We're like, whoo, God's showing up. Matthew 21, 16, and they said to him, do you hear what these are saying? See, they're getting frustrated. These Pharisees, these religious scholars... Because Jesus didn't deny his messianic title. And Jesus said, yes. Have you never read out of the mouth infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? Psalms 8.2 Jesus quotes or fulfills and he says, Out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes. See, noise is there with Jesus. It's a celebration. It's a posture of saying, God, I'm going to expect from you. I'm going to focus on you. And I'm going to celebrate you. And then Matthew 21, 17, and leaving them, he went out to the city of Bethany and lodged there. Jesus kept moving. So as a church tonight, in your handout you should have got a prayer card now i'm passionate your leadership here is passionate about prayer and i believe it's a a a root i believe it's fundamental that we all have things we can pray for we all have things that we can celebrate prayer comes in so many different ways shapes and forms a prayer isn't god always deliver me out of this a prayer can be like hey god i'm celebrating you your majesty in my life God, not only have you delivered me from my past, but God, I'm expecting more from you in my future. So, in this prayer card, I'm going to encourage you because we as a team, we want to pray for you. We're going to start incorporating details like this on Wednesday night because we do believe in the power of prayer. But I'm going to ask you right now, we're going to lean into a a final song this evening. Maybe you sit there and you can reflect, you can... um, Evaluate your heart, your mind, but I'm gonna encourage you, fill this out. Maybe you don't wanna leave your name on it, whatever you feel comfortable with, I would encourage you to do that. And we have buckets at the doors whenever you walk out because a church that prays together is a church that is powerful in its community. But see, it starts with our posture. So when we move through these Wednesday nights, we're gonna be looking at some of the most great Prayers, the heroes of the faith who prayed audaciously and things changed. Things happened because we're a church. The greatest tool we have is prayer. The greatest tool we have is prayer. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8 15 and 10 45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday Night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech North Fort Myers, Florida.